three PLA warplanes entered Taiwan's air defense zone on Friday, marking a total of 958 warplanes China has sent to harass Taiwan this year. That number is double the total of planes dispatched in 2019 and 2020 combined. A Chinese defense ministry spokesman said on Friday that they had actually sent more warplanes than reported adding that Taiwan was responsible for the rise of tensions across the Taiwan Strait. Tensions are rising across the Taiwan Strait as China ramps up its military actions in the region. Earlier in December, the PLA's Liaoning aircraft carrier sailed to sea for a month of training just before the new year is returned to port in Qingdao. During this open sea training mission, we conducted several live-fire drills in many areas of the Pacific Ocean. The training has effectively upgraded the aircraft carrier formation's combat readiness in open sea. China's Type 003 aircraft carrier, which is a true aircraft carrier, should be entering service early next year. The Liaoning and the Shandong can be used to train more carrier pilots. From a strategic standpoint, this method will of course bear results in combat strategy. Military analysts say the Liaoning's training mission is connected to the eventual launch of the Type 003 next year. But China's intimidation in the region does not stop at naval exercises. Over the year, China has sent numerous warplanes into Taiwan's air defense zone. And the last day of 2021 was no exception, with an incursion by three PLA jets. Altogether, Beijing sent 958 warplanes into Taiwan's air defense zone in 2021. That's more than double the number of planes it dispatched in 2019 and 2020 together. The root cause of the current escalation of tensions across the Taiwan Strait lies in the provocations of the DPP authorities and the Taiwan Independent Separatist Forces, and the attempts by external forces to use Taiwan to contain China. The actual number of aircraft dispatched can only be more than the number speculated by the DPP authorities. The Chinese Defense Ministry blamed Taiwan for the rising tensions, while also directing words at Japan. Recently, Japan and the U.S. drew up a draft joint operation plan, and Tokyo has said it will review its national security strategy and national defense program outline in the future. If all three proposals go ahead, it could mark a departure from Japan's exclusively defense-oriented policy, which currently prevents Japan from being the first to launch attacks on enemies and allows only counterattacks. The potential changes have been condemned by China. The war of aggression launched by Japanese militarism has brought serious disasters to the people of countries in the region, including China. We hope that the Japanese side can conscientiously reflect on its history of aggression and carefully and properly handle relevant historical issues and do more to enhance mutual trust with neighboring countries and facilitate the maintenance of regional peace and stability. China won't stop stoking up nationalism to rile up its citizens and incite emotions against the Japanese. China is the one that's encroaching on the democratic security of the world and violating human rights and values. China does not know how to reflect on its actions, yet it uses nationalistic sentiment to stir up the people. This way of maintaining peace is rather shameless. Pundits say the true culprit for rising regional tensions is Beijing with its actions in the Taiwan Strait, East China Sea and South China Sea. 
On December 29th, seven high-ranking members of Hong Kong's pro-democracy news outlet Stand News were detained in a raid on its headquarters by the city's police. The current and former editors-in-chief Patrick Lam and Chong Pui Kwan were charged with conspiracy to publish seditious materials, while another detainee, a former board member, singer and activist Denise Ho, was released on bail Thursday evening. Following her release, she wrote several posts on social media saying that a singer should, quote, finish the song even on one's last breath. She added that an online concert she had organized for Sunday would go ahead as scheduled. Palms together and weariness on her face, Hong Kong pop star and activist Denise Ho thanked the media. She was released on bail after more than 36 hours of detainment since pro-democracy online media outlet Stand News was raided on December 29th. She was accompanied by an assistant and a friend. I love this man so much, she wrote on Facebook. The man in question is Anthony Wong, another Hong Kong singer and activist. The posted photo showed him standing waiting for Ho and received more than 47,000 likes. Ho made another Facebook post after returning home safely with a throwback photo taken with mentor and Hong Kong cultural icon Anita Mui. She wrote that singing Mui songs to herself made her feel grounded and less lonely over the past two days in detainment and that it was Mui who taught her that singers should finish their songs to their last breath, even in the most trying times. That was dedicated to every single one of those still striving. I know there are many here silently persevering. You must carry on. Amid the latest media shutdown in Hong Kong, Taiwanese netizens unearthed a video footage of Ho's performance in the Taiwanese music festival sometime after the 2014 Hong Kong protests. Officials in various countries, including U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, condemned the Hong Kong government's crackdown on media. Hong Kong Chief Executive Carrie Lam and China's Foreign Ministry had more to say on the matter. Well, I agree with that. Journalism is not sedition. These actions are law enforcement actions. These actions have nothing to do with so-called suppression of uh, press freedom. Hong Kong residents' lawful rights and freedoms are fully protected. That being said, media and speech freedom should not be the excuse for criminal acts. How can one be so unscrupulous to say without batting an eye that that was not oppression of press freedom? Nowhere in the world, in any democracy of the free world, is this justified. As a friend of Ho's, Taiwan lawmaker Freddie Lim voiced support for her, saying that China did not understand the real meaning of freedom. He added that now only one narrative was being allowed to exist in Hong Kong. Taiwan reported 41 imported cases on Friday, the highest single-day figure since the start of the pandemic. 14 of them were arrivals from the U.S. Meanwhile, one of three patients who recently tested positive for COVID after staying at a quarantine hotel in Taipei has been confirmed as having the Omicron variant. Health officials say it won't be known whether the three patients are part of a cluster infection until genetic sequencing results come out for the other two hotel guests. Let's hear from the CECC. There are 41 imported cases and zero deaths. Today marks the day with the highest number of imported cases this year. Genetic sequencing is still underway for the hotel guests. We expect results to be out on January 1st. 
像中研院的事件一样，我们认为还是人员的。It's probably like the Academia Sinica outbreak. We think it might have been a cluster caused by staff oversights. Perhaps that particular hotel was more lax with protocols. Maybe the employee cut corners, such as not changing the equipment when moving between rooms. I think that's the most likely scenario. Taiwan has registered 428 imported COVID cases in December, more than double the monthly totals for September, October, and November. In addition, this week marked the first time that the number of imported Omicron cases exceeded the number of Delta cases. A new survey finds that many disadvantaged families struggle to provide dependent care, either for children or sick and elderly relatives. More than 75% of the people surveyed were single parents, nearly half of whom had quit their jobs to look after their children. The survey also found that in families with a sick member, children are often forced to step up to provide care. For most news reporter Stephanie Yang gives us the details. Entertainer Juno Lee looks back at one of the toughest experiences she had to go through in life. She was 25 when her father was diagnosed with cancer. She took care of her father, worked, and studied at the same time. 压力很大，然后可是你也只能只能把每天该做的事情完成。然后 It's a lot of pressure, but you can only do what you need to do every day. Even though I wasn't sure whether my dad would recover. Lee is an ambassador for the Taiwan Fund for Children and Families. Recently, she went to Taichung to visit underprivileged families. She met Ah Hao, who became a caregiver for a parent, just like she had. But the difference was that Ah Hao is only a boy in junior high school. This time, I visited two disadvantaged families in Taichung through the Taiwan Fund for Children and Families. One of the families had a boy from middle school called Ahao. He shared with me that they received family support because his mother is sick. Imagine a boy in the seventh grade going between hospital, home, and school. It's a lot of hard work. Lee also visited Xiao Wen, who had a stroke that affected her left foot when she was young. To pay for the assisted devices Xiao Wen had to wear, her mother had to work overtime during Lunar New Year's Eve. The basic cost of assistive devices like shoes or those for the hands is about 30 to 40,000 NT. According to a survey conducted by the Taiwan Fund for Children and Families, disadvantaged families with a sick member often rely on children to provide care. Among such families surveyed, 18.4 percent of children were in the role of caregiver. The survey also found that 75.2 percent of the disadvantaged parents surveyed were single parents. A little over 45 percent of them had to quit their jobs to provide care for their children. We've endured many challenges due to the epidemic these past two years. Among disadvantaged families, about 50% of the families are in the service industry, or they freelance or take part-time work. Under the impact of the epidemic, they are facing unemployment and financial difficulties. We also see that many families, in addition to having financial issues, also struggle with issues involving caregiving and illness. The foundation, which supports the care needs of disadvantaged families, is calling for donations from the public. From this January to November, it's raised 40 million NT less in donations compared to the same period last year. It set a goal of raising 70 million NT next year. For most news, Stephanie Yang, Lu Boqiong in Taipei.
Well, it's going to be a happy new year for employees of Evergreen Marine Corporation. The shipping company announced a year-end bonus that equals 40 months of pay. But over in the tourism sector, it's a grim start to the new year. With a lack of international travel due to COVID and a halt to domestic tourism amid a local outbreak back in May, tour guides have had two very rough years. Some have had to resort to side gigs and part-time jobs to support themselves. Let's hear from an industry insider. He said he didn't have any tours to give, so he's been doing food delivery to make ends meet. Everyone's trying to find opportunities to find work to do just to get by. So even though from the second half of the year we saw a spike in the market with the travel vouchers and quintuple stimulus vouchers and consumption slowly recovered, the impact of the first half of the year still has not been overcome. The government's voucher programs and the easing of restrictions allowed tourism to gradually recover somewhat in the second half of the year. But incomes in the sector have been nowhere near pre-COVID levels. With no end to the pandemic in sight, tourism workers say they can only hope for better times in the new year. The candidates for the legislative by-election for Taichung's 2nd Electoral District took part in a televised debate Thursday night. The DPP and KMT candidates traded barbs over their qualifications and achievements in previous legislative terms. Things even took a personal turn with DPP candidate Lin Jingyi calling out her KMT opponent's family history of corruption. The KMT candidate Yang Kuan Heng responded that Lin should stick to practicing medicine. A televised debate for Taichung's 2nd Electoral District by-election was held Thursday, with the candidates of both major parties locked in a heated exchange. Our, our home. They are not a practice ground for paratroopers. It's not a place for a candidate to fall from the skies during election and leave right after. A lawmaker's job is to go to the parliament to inquire about national policy. It's for the benefit of the people and not for their own personal benefit, to benefit their own private companies or to find loopholes for their properties. Yang Kuan-Tan presented himself as a local candidate, while Lin Jingyi criticized him as acting for his extended family's interests. She also questioned Yen's contributions to infrastructure projects in the area. In the past, I have always been committed to transportation infrastructure, projects for dual railway tracks, railway elevation projects, the Hemei Bridge, the Xiwei Bridge, the Caohu Interchange on Provincial Highway 74, the Jiujiang Interchange on National Freeway 6, and so on. Allow me to remind you about something regarding what you just mentioned. The dual-track projects for the coastline was in fact approved in 2017 as part of the forward-looking infrastructure development program. Back then, I was one of the lawmakers defending this policy, whereas another lawmaker was trying to block it. It also applies to the pushing for the construction of the blue and green lines of the Taichung Metro. I was defending this policy for the city's residents. I'd like to ask, what were you doing then? The candidates also exchanged some backhanded compliments. Having such a talented individual leave the medical world would be a loss for medicine. Dr. Lin has a silver tongue. The 10 iconic statements she's made in the past really show that she has a bright future as a pundit. His roots at the local level are even deeper than his party, thanks to his local organizations. Things like finding ways to combine local and grassroots forces, and how to make use of and administer resources. These characteristics make him incomparable with anyone in his party.
Besides Ling and Yen, there are three other candidates vying for the legislative seat. Stock Party Taiwan candidate Zhang Zhongchun and Independence Li Jinglian and Li Shen Han. Which candidate will get the seat? All will be known on January 9th. No plans yet for the long weekend? Why not check out the long-awaited retrospective for Spanish surrealist artist Salvador Dali? The exhibition opens January 1st at Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall in Taipei. More than 100 original works valued at more than 2.7 billion NT will be showcased at the exhibition. Five sections at the venue walk visitors through the Surrealist Master's vision from the iconic painting The Persistence of Memory to all 101 watercolors and engravings for the Divine Comedy, a true feast for the eyes that should not be missed. Another exhibition titled Between Earth and Sky, Indigenous Contemporary Art from Taiwan is underway down under in Queensland, Australia. The exhibition features work by eight artists from Taiwan's Paiwan, Atayo and Truku communities. For most the news reporter, Stephanie Yang gives us an overview. I'm delighted to introduce to you this focus project within the 10th Asia-Pacific Triennial of Contemporary Art, APT10. Eight indigenous artists' works from Taiwan are on display at an exhibition in Queensland. This work is by Ali Politan. This extraordinary work is part weaving, part sculpture, part installation by Ali Politan, who is a Paiwan woman from Sandimen. The technique that she's used here is one of creating long strands uh, into ropes, which are often wound into little coils, which assemble together to create these extraordinary shapes. Quite extraordinary texture of the paint that he's used. There are also several works by Atayo Pastor and La Gulu, which were inspired by the customs of the Atayo community. Well, here we have two really intriguing paintings by Anli Gunu, who is in addition to being a full-time artist, a full-time pastor as well. His work is a way of balancing his customary Atayo beliefs with his Christian faith. The work that I'm standing in front of is called Music of Hunters, and it depicts the dances that would take place following hunts. This is the second work by Anli Gunu. It's called Weave My Face. This work is a real tribute to the tradition of tattooing, which is something that unfortunately has been lost to a large degree from Atayo culture. Indigenous people arrived in Taiwan before the first hand migrations at the end of the 17th century, but forced assimilation resulted in the loss of culture, land and language. Exhibition strives to highlight the destructive effects of colonization and to propose a more sustainable future. This is a very special exhibition bringing together the work of eight artists um, from Taiwanese indigenous peoples and we're working in a whole range of media. Uh, from painting to sculpture to performance to installation. Produced in collaboration with the Taiwan Indigenous Peoples Cultural Development Center, the exhibition runs until April 25th at Queensland's Art Gallery. For most news, Stephanie Yang, Zhong Shuhui in Taipei. Prices of daily commodities are going up this coming year. Among them, oil prices will be raised by one NT per liter. That means one liter of 95 unleaded could surpass 30 NT. 
Water prices will also be increasing for industrial users during the dry season next year. Starting November 2022, companies that use more than 9,000 9, tons of water a month will be charged an additional 3NT per ton. Cars wait in line to refill for the long weekend. Next week, oil prices are going up. According to the formula used by Taiwan State Refiner, starting next week, gasoline prices will go up by between 0.8 NT and 0.9 NT per liter, and diesel will go up by 1 NT per liter. The main factor contributing to the increase is international oil prices. This year, the West Texas Intermediate crude oil price averaged 68 U.S. dollars per barrel. That's 70 percent higher than the 40 U.S. dollars per barrel in 2020. One barrel went for 85 U.S. dollars. That was a recent peak. If we look at the U.S. crude oil inventory, it has been falling and falling by the week over this past month. And it's not just gasoline becoming more expensive. Water will also be getting pricier for companies next year. After three years of discussion, a new water policy has been announced. In the future, users that go through more than 9,000 tons of water in a month during the dry season will get charged an additional 3 NT per ton. About 1,700 companies, including car washes, spas, and electronic firms at science parks and industrial parks, could be affected by the policy. The extra 3 NT water fee will be charged only during the dry season, from November to April. The new fare plan will come into effect in July 2022. Amid rising inflation, electricity prices and bottled gas prices will remain unchanged until at least the end of March. Meanwhile, the minimum wage will go up starting January 1st, with the basic monthly salary rising from 24,000 NT to 25,250 NT, and the hourly rate from 160 NT to 168 NT.